When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Special edition of the Michael Deacon program. I am your host, Michael Deacon. Pleased to meet you. This is a very different kind of show. A place where you don't feel so alone. Joining us this evening is Mr. James Just. He is a representative of the Libertarian Party. He's currently running for election to the California State Assembly to represent District 7. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing us into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Greetings, boys and girls. It's good to be back yet again. I hope you missed us because we've missed you, no doubt. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. America is starting to look like a lot like a, a, a third world nation, wouldn't you agree? With all the looting in the streets, cops, of course, are being killed in retaliation. Those with small businesses are also taking a very, very unnecessary hit. Well, of course, there are some positive signs from those keeping it civil. The bad is, this is only the beginning. The next phase is coming. Brace yourselves and protect those around you. I'll keep it short. As everything is going according to plan, boys. Now let's get down to brass tacks and uh, bring everyone about, in. Uh, and, ferrets. Uh, Trying and, to get ferrets legalized here in California. And so now we're talking about uh, ferrets here in the conversation. Welcome, uh, Mike and <laughs> James, just to the program here. I'm glad 
you two are already talking. Oh, well, thank yeah, you, Michael. Well, Sounds lively. It, it, all, it all started because uh, my bird, Kiki, oh, said, no, the bird. Uh, yeah, the bird said, uh, what the fuck is that? <laughs> oh, beautiful. That bird. So Lovely little bird anyway, there. Nice to see you, Michael. Nice, nice to, to hear see you. you, James. Oh, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm glad you're nice here. Nice to be here. Awesome, awesome. And how are you, by the way, James? Is everything okay? Yeah, we're all okay here. You know, I'm emotionally tired, but, you know, everybody's healthy and safe. And so, you know, my neighborhood has quieted down a little bit. And so we're all we're all trying to take a breath. Emotionally tired. What do you mean? Explain. Well, it's been an emotional few days. I live on the, the edge of a ghetto. So the last few days have been, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? It's been emotional. I it's guess been it's captivating. Well, yeah. And, you know, I'm running for office in my district now. And my district is in turmoil. And so you're you're trying to process all that and try to understand how the various people in your district are feeling and their, and get in touch with their emotions so you can try to communicate with them, so you can try to get to their level. And it's emotionally sure. exhausting. Absolutely. So, James, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, you are, of course, a Californian just like myself, except you are way up north in Sacramento or were born in Sacramento, correct? Yep. Born and raised born here and in raised, Sacramento. Right. I, I spent some time in in Fresno, I guess technically with Selma for a couple of years, and uh, about six months in uh, San Diego, I guess technically Chula Vista. But yeah, Sacramento's my home. It's where I've been born and raised. I live. In, I get to live in my grandfather's house. He built this, uh, you know, every brick by brick out of love. So I have, I get to be surrounded by love every day. But yeah, I'm just a, you know, average guy, really. Somehow it's gotten thrust into this position. It's, it's a strange place to be. Definitely. And you are running for the Assembly District 7, correct? Yeah, well, that's a whole funny story uh, <laughs> to itself. You know, two years ago, at, for if your viewers don't know, I have a um, anxiety disorder. So ten years ago, I could really couldn't leave my house. I had trouble really? leaving my house, and so now I'm actually out running for office, trying to kind of help change the world, help change this toxic politics that we exist in. And I actually wasn't going to run on January 1st. I decided, no, I'm not going to run. Some people had already talked to me about it. And then I was at the store and someone said, are you guys going to do anything about AB5? And I'm assuming I was still in my getup from uh, my TV show. I do a TV show here, Libertarian Counterpoint. And and, so, and they were talking about, you know, are we guys, the libertarians, were we going to try and do anything? And it's like, well, I looked in the mirror and it was, well, I'm the one who's staring back at me. So, you know, I decided, all right, I'm going to pick up this burden and try to carry it. And then now the whole world is kind of falling apart and it's a bigger burden than you thought it was but at the same time it's not so you know it's just it's a complicated world these days it really is everything seems to be in flames now james yeah we had a we had a big huge fire here last night in my neighbor in my district but oh, it was no. actually not related to the <laughs> to the protest it doesn't appear to be related to the protest okay good it was just a, a pallet fire that caught a mattress store in and next door and it became this big huge five alarm blaze but it didn't really appear to be you know, anything to do with the protests, but it's so hard to know these days. There's so much chaos. There's so much kind of what's going on. People don't know what's actually happening. There's forces at play that we don't understand. And it's, uh, it's chaotic and it's emotionally exhausting. And if you're just an average person trying to get through life, you know, it's very easy to become dis disheartened. It really is. It's, it's such a confusing time for a lot of people. And, you know, I feel bad for a, a lot of the younger generations as well. Those who had uh, all sorts of things looking that they were looking forward to. And now all of that is gone. Yeah, they were. I have my children are of that millennial type generation. They were my wrong oldest, too. My oldest son is 30. My youngest is 21. So, you know, they're at that age where they're trying to start their lives, trying to build build their lives. And it was already difficult for these kids to sure. you know, have a family and build their family. And now it's even harder. 
That's ridiculous, really. May I ask really. you a question? Yes, sir. You said, um, you know, there's, there's chaos going on, obviously, with, with uh, the recent uh, murder of uh, George Floyd. What do you attribute this chaos uh, being a result of? Like, like, what would you say is the cause? Like, what's happening? Well, you've got layers upon layers. We have a systematic racism that has gone on for generations, literally generations. And that has created the conditions, the tinder blocks, the tinder box, so to speak, that when something like George Floyd murder happens, and then you have people outside actors, whatever their agendas are, you know, we got different kind of conspiracies and who knows which one is true. Maybe more of them than one are true. You know, I don't know. Um, but so you got these different actors who kind of use that as cover. I, I was actually watching a local live stream last night and you because you were watching the protesters trying to protect businesses from these organized groups of people who are yeah. going and smashing windows. And so I was watching that on live stream and you're going, there's, there's different groups happening here. There's different agendas going on and it's hard for the average person to try to decipher it. Definitely. It's a multi-layered issue yet again. We have different factions that have sort of, um, made their way into this sort of movement that's going on. Uh, at first it was just people protesting and now it's turned into something else by these individuals. Uh, Antifa being one of the groups as well. And of course you have these non, um, government organizations out there also involved, uh, many of them. And it's always been that way, though, uh, Mike and James, for the longest time. There's always been these radical movements out there since the beginning of all of this. Yeah, the difference is now is that the radical movement, right. it's it's they have fertile ground to work with. You know, if if the society, if the system was working even somewhat functionally, they, they wouldn't have any fertile ground, right? You can't, you can't grow a, a radical a radical movement on ground where people are happy. So radical movements only happen when people are unhappy, when there's long-term systemic change. And because we have refused to fix an obviously broken system for literally generations, it, it was just a tinderbox ready to explode. And then you had people locked up in their houses for two right. months. You've got them broken, unemployed. So they're, they're literally desperate. And this whole just tinderbox was waiting for a, was waiting for a spark. And when that spark happened, people took advantage of it with, uh, ulterior motives. I call it the perfect storm. Yeah. It yeah, was brewing. It, yeah, everyone's pissed off. So everyone took out their aggression. Not everyone, but certain individuals out there that they, they just lost it completely. And of course, became um, so enraged, I should say, with their own beliefs. And now they're acting upon it. And it's for everyone to see around the world. Yeah. And then you get, you know, the kind of the mob mentality takes over and, and you know, human psychology. Yeah. And once, you know, people will do things in a mob that they wouldn't do, they wouldn't even consider doing it themselves. They get home and they go, what the heck did I do? What the hell did I just take part of? And so, you know, this is a human psychology issue. And so we actually have to, you know, we don't deal with um, emotional health and, and mental health very well in this country. We don't talk about it very well. And so, you know, I try to be as open about my path through that as I can be because Maybe other people can be more comfortable about talking about it. And as long as we are comfortable with it, it's not so scary and we don't have to live a lives afraid. Right. Now, of course, you are running as a third party representative. And for a lot of people out there, they're not even aware that there even is a third party. Everyone thinks there's only uh, not everyone, but there's certain individuals out there that only think Republicans and Democrats are the only uh, group out there. It's. Kind of unusual to see that, James, in 2020, but those people are out there. 
Yeah, it, you kind of imagine, you know, information is so free and fast available that there's so many people who don't even know that, you know, the Libertarian Party exists or even the Green Party exists. You know, I have lots of friends in the Green Party. You know, we have disagreements on the role of government, but we agree on a shared humanity, you know, so we have no trouble talking with each other. Right. You know, as, as long as we have a shared humanity, conversation is easy. And as long as you can have easy conversations, you can actually solve problems. No one's going to get exactly what they want, but you can solve problems because you can sit down and talk. Absolutely. And those in third parties, they face all sorts of obstacles, especially from the Coke and Pepsi of the world. That's the Democrats and Republicans, James. That's who you face, essentially. Oh, and they'll use us. You know, like I have a district that's 48% Democrat and like 20% Republican. And so, you know, the Republicans are happy to have me run because then they don't have to put resources into this district while the Democrat has to kind of spend time and money here. Right. So they're perfectly happy to have me run. And, you know, they don't care. They don't have to. So they'll perfectly happy to use me, you know, and hey, I'll use the, I'll take their vote. And, you know, I'm not going to change who I am or what I'm running for. Because my whole goal is to represent my whole district, not to represent my political ideology. That's the fundamental problem with our system is we have these two groups who no longer represent the wide diversity of their districts through their ideology or through their perspective. They try to represent their their ideology through their district. And there's actually a fundamentally different mindset with that. And so I'm not going to come up with, you know, libertarians get mad at me because I'm not libertarian enough. And so, well, I'm not running to represent the libertarian party. I'm running to represent the people of my district. And half of them are Democrats and, and a huge chunk of them work for the state government and our union members. And so I have to honor and respect that. And I can't just, you know, have a hardcore libertarian message because it's not right. That's what's wrong with politics today. And that's what I that's what I want to change. Yeah, that's one thing, by the way. It all comes down to money, essentially. Well, I can disagree with that a little bit. Go ahead. I've, I've done some, I did some research as I, you know, as I start this, you do some research and you find out that somewhere between a third and two thirds of money raised is used to raise more money. So whatever you, if you use your money smart, you don't need as much. And we actually haven't even spent $2,000 yet. And yet we managed to get on the ballot and we started to make some noise. We've gotten, you know, through all volunteers, we've got a team of seven, what, nine volunteers now. And it doesn't require a lot of money, but it does require dedication. You have to take it seriously. You have to con just to continue working. I mean, stuff is cheap now. Facebook ads, a $50 of Facebook ad buy can reach five, six, seven thousand people. And if you have the right message and you target it properly and you're honest and truthful, people will eventually come to you. And that's kind of the theory we're working on. And that's what we're hoping to kind of we're trying to do politics differently, because if we do it the same way everybody else is doing it, we're just going to get the same results everybody else is getting. Well, it seems like the system is broken, no matter if you're for the left or the right. There's a big issue here. It has nothing to do with political ideologies. It's just a big, broken system. And is America really ready for a third party? Well, it better be. Otherwise, we're going to continue with the broken system. It seems that way. Yeah. If we don't change, I was I was having a discussion the other day. If we don't change how we vote, we're not going to change how the society works. We're not going to change the system if we're not courageous enough to change how we vote. If the people of my district don't have the courage to send a message that our votes are no longer owned, they're earned then they have no reason to actually make this, the changes that are required to make change. Because why would they? Right? If you're going right. to vote for them anyway, they don't really need to make change. You just need to do enough to shut you up. And that's what happens. We've seen that for decades now. And someone has to be different. And so I've just, you know, I talk without a script. I have never done a, a, my live streams. I do two live streams a day. I talk 
you know, I do a weekly TV show and I have never used a script. Well, except to end the show. You know, ending a show needs a script. Sure. But, <laughs> Sometimes. but I don't use the script. Everything's off the cuff. Very good. I appreciate that. I like that. You're a straight shooter, James. Well, as I go back to my anxiety disorder, you have two choices. You can either hide or you can be completely open because there's no way you can I There's no way I, let me rephrase that. There's no way I can be any other way. It's I become a massive ball of inhumanity, right? You're just, it's a big ball of stress that will eventually collapse me. And so I either have to be completely open, completely honest. Like if you go to my Facebook page, it's my personal Facebook page. There's nothing I post that is private. Every single thing I have ever posted on Facebook is public. Understood. And of course, you are facing Kevin McCarty. Yes. Kevin McCarty is the other person who is applying for the job. Yes. He's a Democrat, correct? Yes, he is. He's a he's a longtime established politician. He's I like to think of him. He's a vanilla Democrat. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. It works in this district. That's kind of what, you know, with 48% Democrats, that's kind of the, the flavor of, of ice cream this district likes to eat. But I'm trying to offer them something different. I always like to say I don't, I'm not running against Mr. McCarty. As far as I know, he's an honorable human being. I've, you know, I've watched him. He works hard. He seems to work hard. He seems to be a relatively honorable man, but he's in a broken system. And unless we fundamentally change that system, you know, he can't change it because he's too much of a part of it. May I ask a question? Yes, sir. What, if I may ask, what are some of the changes that you are willing to offer? Well, I sent a letter this week to the unions asking the unions to take a lead in reforming the police departments. And the question is, if they do not take the lead, which I don't really expect them to, but the, the, the solution to that is, is you can dissolve the unions and create community co-op unions. Essentially, community co-ops that operate as unions that certify and and make sure that you get can screen these bad police officers or police officers that need med- mental health treatment before they can go back out on the streets because you know some of this issue is is emotional health and mental health that these police officers are facing. But we also need more systemic change. We need to get the investigation and prosecution of police officers into out of the hands of the normal system and into I don't know the ACLU or some other civil rights group, so we can just completely separate those two systems. The police should not be investigating and prosecuting themselves. Right? They work too closely with the DAs. It's just human nature will give them the benefit of the doubt. It's not even necessarily the DA's fault. It's simply human nature. You work with these people every day. You're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. So just take it out of out of their hands. Give it to the ACLU or and put the prosecution in hands of defense attorney groups and and actually do something different. But that wouldn't even work unless you fundamentally change the social engineering structure we have built. We are asking police to literally engineer people's behavior, and it's the wrong role. We cannot use laws and cages to tell people how to behave, right? We can use laws and cages to, for predators, for people who, who are violent, and for people who refuse to behave in a civil manner, you know, fraudsters and white-collar crimes. That's what cages should be for. They're not for people who smoke pot. They're not, they're not for people who, who kind of have a different view on society. They're not for homeless people. They're, right, they're for dangerous people. And we, How do you – I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. no, no, it's, no, it's fine. They're, they're for, they should be for dangerous people. And we're never all going to be always right. We're going to make mistakes. But right now we're engineering societies and it's, it's dehumanizing the populace, but it also dehumanizes the police officer because you have to go out every day and trying to engineer people. And you can't do that psychologically and think of them as fully human. How do you feel about uh, all the prisoners that were released in California for the CCP virus? You're right. I would like to believe that the vast majority of those who were released probably shouldn't have been there, but I don't trust our government to have made that decision properly. 
right? There are people who should still, who should not have been released, who probably were. And there's probably people in those is still in the jails who probably could have been released. But there's far too many people in our jails who are in there for, you know, marijuana crimes or selling drugs that probably shouldn't be illegal in the first place or victimless crimes, you know, prostitutions and that kind of thing. There's a whole lot, whole slew of victimless crimes that we shouldn't be prosecuting. We should be helping people. That being said, Michael, you had mentioned to me uh, a few weeks back that the some of the correct me if I'm wrong, but you said some of the prisoners that were released uh, were pretty bad. Can can you well, they were elaborate? Moved, yeah, they were moved around uh, to various locations in the United States as well. They shipped around a lot of people. Because of a COVID-19. And of course, a lot of them were even released. I th- well, always, obviously, you know this, James, uh, at least 3,500 of them uh, released from state yeah. prisons very easy. But of course, there are those that are like uh, sex offenders, too, that were released. Yeah. They're, and let's think about this. We have our plea bargaining system has, you know, you plea bargain down, the police overcharge and try to get a plea bargain. We don't even really know which one of those who's dangerous and who is, isn't because of plea bargaining. Right. You have some dangerous criminal who plea bargained down to a non a nonviolent offense, but he's really a violent person and shouldn't be behind the case. Nonviolent. Yeah. Nonviolent. But he's also a sex offender. Yeah. I was just about to say. Yeah. That's the that's the that's the bad part. That's the problem is we can't trust the system to make even close to rational choices. And so so, you know, ideally, you know, the the libertarian, the civil rights human in me says, yeah, there's a whole bunch of people in there who shouldn't be in these cages and they need to be let out regardless of COVID-19. But we can't trust the people who are in position to make that decision to make these decisions properly because they have a history of not being able to do it. Yeah. it's So are you saying that everybody that is involved in – uh, in the, uh, I, I don't know what the word would be to, to describe it, but anyone involved in, in a prison facility is not doing the right thing. Is that what you're insinuating? No. Because yeah, to me, it sounds like you're saying that the whole thing is just wrong and nobody knows what they're doing. If you can well, just elaborate on that. Well, no, there's, because we do need the predators. Predators need to be taken care of. And, and again, this is a, this is a system, this is a situation that societies have not yet been able to really solve. I mean, you can look like in Holland and there's some places that have actually done some better work than we have here at trying to solve how the way to solve these kind of violent issues and deal with predators versus deal with, you know, people who are uh, socially uncivil, shall we say. And there's a difference between that. And some places have done better at, at trying to discern those differences and we don't. But it's not that the people inside, it's not the people, no one goes into working in, okay, very few people go into law enforcement or to corrections or any of these things going, I want to screw things up. The system makes them screw things up. This is the system of social engineering puts us into places where they can't make good choices because the choices are fundamentally inhuman. If we get back to just putting predators and thieves and and, you know, that and those people and, and the violent in jail, we don't have to worry about the rest of it. Now, it's not I, it's just simplified. Let's be honest. It, life is really complicated. You're never going to be right. It's like my mother used to work in uh, social services and you're never going to get the uh, those choices right. You're always going to have a mistake. There will be tragedies, right? There will be a case where someone should have, should have had their kid taken from them and it wasn't. Or you have, we'll have a case where a family, you know, should have been kept together. I mean, a family should have been separated. You know what I mean? There's sure. going to be cases where they're going to make the wrong choice, but it's an honorable choice. They just made a wrong choice. But the problem is now is that the system is set up where they no longer have the ability to make choice. They just make, they follow the rule book. 
because they're so afraid of getting of there's the, the politicians are so afraid of having to answer to the public that how did this tragedy happen? So they create all these rules. So they're, so they're protected by the rule book and it's just, it creates an inhumanity. Okay. I, I, I'm, I, I probably lost, probably lost my train of thought. It's just, the whole system has created a sense of inhumanity and we have to return humanity to the system, but we can't do that by passing a thousand laws every year. What, what, what's your, what's your, what are your thoughts on, on, on fascist groups like Antifa? Well, ideally, these kind of things don't matter. Again, if you don't have fertile ground, but because we have so much fertile ground for these things to offer, we have to find some way to deal with it. But, you know, I don't know what to do. Um, <laughs> I don't. I, I, I'm just like everybody else. I'm sitting here trying to figure out how the heck do you deal with the, well, because most of these Antifa groups, most of these, they're just kids. They're the useful idiots, right? They don't know what they're doing. Some of them, yeah. Some of them are, are, are lawyers. Some of them are professors who hit. Yeah. Vet, now, veterans in the head with chain bikes. I mean, these are people who are taking advantages, uh, taking advantage of circumstances and situations where people who legitimately need a protest. Let's just take, for example, hypothetical situation. Yeah. All right. George Floyd gets killed. All right. Terrible tragedy. I'm, I'm on it. I, I am completely for uh, firing and arresting that officer who did what he did. He was wrong. 100%. I am fully aware of that. However, hmm? Now you got a group of protesters who come out. They're trying to do the right thing, which is freedom of speech the mm -hmm. right way, the nonviolent way without mm -hmm. harming people or property. And then you have these scumbags come in uh, from these groups who claim to be non-fascists, and yet they are doing exactly what a fascist would do. So, uh, you know, you, you get these people who are breaking windows and so on and so forth. I mean, to well, me, that is a that's a, a localized terrorist. Yeah. Well, if, if we had done something earlier on, you know, in these in Portland and Berkeley, when these groups first started to to appear violent, right. if the, the local issues had taken if those local governments had taken it seriously, then maybe we wouldn't be having such a big problem. But we also have to remember just being anti-fascist doesn't make you an honorable person. And when we go back in history, I'm kind of a historian and we go back and the reason Germany's agreed to, you know, the reason Germany voted for Hitler was because the anti-fascists were so bad that they decided to choose the fascists, right? It's the Marxists and the communists were so bad that they didn't want, that they said, you know, Hitler has to deal with these. And that's how you ended up with Hitler. So if we look in history, the communists are just as bad as the fascists. And so oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. No and so, kidding. <laughs> so the fact that you're anti, it's like, yeah, who isn't anti-fascist? I'm anti-fascist. Yeah, these people <laughs> are, are, are these, these people who, who claim to be anti, anti-fascists, the Antifa people yes. are, 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 are punching veterans in the face. Well, the thing they is, are, Mike, they, they are so yeah. impressionable. That's the problem. Like many other people in all sorts of these groups, they're all being played. They're all being uh, pawns for someone else, my friend. Oh, it's sad. Agreed. Like, like people like George misled. Soros who yep. funds this. Everyone's being misled in, in a lot of these groups, these various groups. And didn't, uh, Trump tweet out something recently about labeling, uh, Antifa as a, like, ter terrorist organization? Yeah, but he also wanted to label anarchist organizations as terrorist organizations. And I have anarchist friends and they're not terrorists. And so we don't have this. The problem is our current group of leaders don't have the sophistication enough to tell the difference between 
Antifa, the the anti-fascist pro-communist group, and just a bunch of morons who are anti-fascists and, and don't and, really and do know, you know why that. And do you know why that is? That's because they are they are led to believe by social media when all their friends start saying, "Well, let's you know, let's let's get up and and break some windows and break a few things to make a point." Young and, and suddenly you've yeah, you've got impression. You got people being uh, uh, getting uh, what would the word be? Getting impressed by those right. who are forcing criminal activity on them and saying that it's a good thing. Now, look, just for argument's sake, I know you don't know me, but I, when I was younger, I was a politically correct liberal demo- Democrat. I was, uh, I was reading books like the Anarchist Cookbook. I was, um, uh, you know, following up on witchcraft and all these things that I was into. Yes, I was, I considered myself an anarchist. I was a young punk rocker. I considered myself an anarchist, but I never, ever went to a protest or did anything where I burned down people's property, hit someone, uh, harm, like bodily harm anyone. It is the, that is the reason I got out of the Democrat party because I saw what was happening. And to go even further, just to make a point is, I'm a, I'm a Satanist, okay? But I don't go up to, you know, people who are Christian and Catholic or, or Jewish and say, hey, asshole, I'm a, I'm a Satanist, up yours, and you know, like throw a rock at them. I don't do that. In fact, I do the opposite. I'm respectful to people. If they believe in God, uh, Yahweh or, uh, uh, Mohammed or whatever, I let them have their, their thing. My father is a, is a Roman Catholic, as, as was I when I was younger, mm-hmm. but, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't blame him for that. That's his thing that makes him feel good. And it's a good moral thing. If you're a Christian or a Catholic or a Jew or what, the morals based on the Bibles or the Torah or whatever, they're based on good actions, moral actions for people to follow and be good. But at the same time, just in the case of, of George Floyd, you had a cop who was bad, but not all cops are bad. And, and and now I'm going to take it one step further, okay? Mm-hmm. I told Michael about this this afternoon. This may not have anything to do with the subject, but you should probably hear about it. I I'm I'm I don't look anything like my neighbors. I got black hair. I I I've got earrings. I've got tattoos, and I look very different. I look very gothic, if you will. All my neighbors, elderly people, you know, normal dress and everything like that. As today, I get a knock on my door. Somebody tells me somebody placed quote. A hate rock, unquote, in my driveway. I'm like, what the hell is a hate rock? She says, come on outside. I'll show you. Someone took a rock. They they took several. They painted on the rock the following captions. All cops are bastards, quote, unquote. And on the other side, quote, fuck Trump, unquote. And they did it on not only my – now, mind you, I've got nothing to do with police or, or, or military or politics, but they placed it on my driveway as well as all the other officers and retired officers who have flags on their uh, – American flags on their property, mostly the, the black flag with the blue stripe in it. Mm-hmm. And all these people had the, these rocks put in front of their, their, their property. And I said to myself, not only are these people idiots and starting trouble for no reason – but they also picked me out of a crowd, making it look like I was in support of of, of this murder for uh, James Floyd. So George Floyd. What I'm trying. Did I say George Floyd? You said James. James. I'm sorry. If I said James, I, I meant to say George. All I'm saying is that I I sincerely believe a huge problem is coming from the left. They've lost their minds, in my opinion. Well, yeah, we've. I mean, both political sides have 
political. They have fanned the flames on their political sides. And so, and they're no longer thinking, they're emoting. I mean, you could, we're here in Cal, I'm here in California. And so I hear, I'm surrounded by Democrats. So I hear the Democrat side. So I'm going, yeah, this is all, I, it's very, sounds very familiar to me. But I know people who live in, you know, Iowa and more Republicans areas and they kind of get it the, the other side of it. And so I'm sitting here, I'm watching, I'm sitting here listening to all this and I'm going, yeah, we've got these two political parties who are so concerned about themselves that they don't care what damage they're doing to their communities. Precisely. And we have the media and the media is, just helps them. The media is all their mouthpiece. It no doesn't matter if it's Fox News or MSNBC. They're just sitting there helping fan the flames because all they care about is their ratings. Absolutely. None of these people actually care about their communities. I'm glad you said that because that's everyone in the media. They don't give a shit what they're reporting. They just care about that big paycheck they see at the end of the week. And getting an award for, for being a good journalist at the end of the year. That's all it is. That's all it is. Lots of Americans out there have been fooled. They really think these TV pundits they see actually uh, care about them. But that's not the reality, my friends. They just love that money. Every single one of them you see on television. It's a, it's all yeah. about the love of the money. Oh, right. you see it. There was an ESPN writer the other day. He was cheering on the burning of, of some buildings until they got to his neighborhood. And then all of a sudden he was all oh. upset. Exactly. <laughs> see, that's what happens. Exactly. See, it, it, it starts nice. off. Yeah, that's what happens. See, it, it starts off like oh, they don't really care until it happens to them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And of course, I'm sitting here. Well, I have to listen to the, you know, we call it the ghetto bird fly over my house at night nowadays. <laughs> and, you know, I don't have that option of it being in somebody else's neighborhood. Now, sure. I'm pretty lucky. I'm on the edge. The likelihood that the disturbance actually gets to my particular house is slim. But I'm still close enough where I have to worry. And so it's. But these people, they get to live in their gated communities and they're, they're off from everybody else. And they, they get to live in this like a thousand miles up, like they're sitting at the top of this of the obelisk, looking down at the peasants. Pampered. The peasant class going, they're all pampered. Oh, look James. at those poor people. They're all here's pampered the thing, and James, sheltered. I live. Here's the funny thing. I live in a gated community. And, and that shit that I mentioned before happened today. Oh, well, you've got you got some kids in your community who are mad at their parents and are taking it out on you. I, <laughs> Most likely. Very, very likely. I told I told uh, Mike there must have been a disgruntled uh, cat lady that left that stone there for him. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what that's what I see. I saw out there. You can see it. You see some of these these young, these 16, 15, 16, 17 year old white kids out there trying to cause them trouble. And you go, these are just kids. They're just out kids. there. Visit their parents and they're taking it out on, on society because yeah. they don't have anything else to do. That's I, I firmly don't believe it's just the white kids out there because I was jumped uh, in 2012 just for being white. I was brutally beaten up in a racist attack by three black guys who beat me down just for being white. And I was called every name in the book. So well, I don't I have, think it's just white people. That no, I hear racist. you. So racism is a, is a multifaceted problem. I have I've an interracial family. My, my wives have been a mixed race. And so my children are of all mixed race and we grew up in mixed neighborhoods. And so my children don't look like me. You know, I'm this blonde haired, blue eyed white guy, but my kids, none of them have, you know, my features. They all are different colors from, you know, the slightly tanned looking to, I have a, my youngest son looks Arabic. He kept the he, rainbow, he has, rainbow family. <laughs> he does not like to fly. He flew one time and he says he'll never do it again. He looks Arabic. And so this is, you know, we understand that racism is, is it exists. It crosses the whole color line. I used to walk when we had my son Anthony, me and my wife, we'd walk down to the to the to the park to take him to the park, and we couldn't go. About the time of Spike Lee, Moose the Movie, I can't I can't speak. Release okay. the movie Jungle Fever. 
And we couldn't walk to the store. We couldn't walk to the park without groups of people singing Jungle Fever to us. <laughs> really? Here's my problem, James. You know, I, I just can't stand it when, when I keep continually hearing. Look, let me just give you a quick background on me. I was born and raised. Have you ever been to the East Coast? I've been, yes, but I okay. haven't spent a lot of time there, no. All right. Just, just geologically, I was born and raised in a town called Patterson, New Jersey. Did you ever hear of it? No. Okay. It's a friggin' war zone. Uh, it's worse than Nork, New Jersey, probably just as bad as maybe Trenton or Camden. Really bad. Now, I, I lived there up until I was about, uh, I guess about 20, 21, and then I moved out. And all my life I lived there, I always, I, had, I used to get beat up by, by black kids. I used to get picked on by black kids. And yet, you know, it was, it was hard for me to, 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 to not take that personal. Long story short, eventually I, I really tried hard to be politically correct. I, I was, and I fought for 26 years to, to do the right thing. But what I'm trying to say is I'm so sick and tired of hearing from so many different politicians that are saying that racism comes from just the white race. I, I, I really get upset when I hear that. And and I say that because I've known some wonderful people in my life who are of, of the opposite color of me, and I have no problem with them. Yet, I, I, I all my life, I was beat up by, by black people. And the, the last time I had that racist incident, it was a vicious attack, and nobody did anything about it. But if it was the opposite way around, I guarantee you the Patterson would have been under protest before a, a, a black guy getting beat up by three white uh, Caucasian kids. Yeah, I yeah. think we have to be smart enough to, to understand the difference between the systemic racism that our, our our justice system has created and the individual racism that exists out in society. Because all any of those of us who have, say, a complicated racial life, like yours or mine or any of those who kind of interact, will see that racism comes from all walks of life, be it Asian, black, white. It doesn't really matter. It's an individualized thing. It's not a cultural thing. It's not a, it's not a race thing. It's an individual thing. Human beings have this tendency in them to fear the other. And when you fear the other, you, you create, you fill that void with your own head. And if you have the head full of fear and full of, and full of hate, that's what you're going to fill it with. And so it's a human, it's, it's a human problem. And again, I go back to this mental health and emotional health. If we had better mental and emotional health, in this country, we wouldn't have okay. We certainly we wouldn't have these problems. We would be better in better position to take care of them. Agreed. I, I would also say if we didn't have social media, we'd probably be a lot better off too. Well, I'm one who believes that so you create your own social media. So you can you can control the social media you get. It's actually quite easy by the terms you search, by the people you you interact with, by the type of stories you interact with. You can actually control your own experience if you understand the algorithms, and you can use those algorithms to your advantage. Yeah, I enjoy uh, Twitter, especially as of late, seeing all the chaos ensue. Even though uh, it's it's quite sad, I have to be honest, it's also quite entertaining. Well, I haven't been on Twitter. I'm not a big Twitter person. You can find me at Just James Just, but I'm not a big Twitter person. I don't use Twitter. I, I'm a gotten into Facebook somehow. But it's how I find my community streams, right? I get the live streams from my community. I don't watch the mainstream news. It's pointless. You get You get a different a few different community streams, a few different community voices, and you put those together and you try to get a feel of what's actually going on at the ground level. Because if you just listen to the the news, you're, you're not going to get anything. You don't hear anything. You don't get any real information. You kind of get us this crass overview at best. Yeah, I prefer getting the news from someone that's actually down the streets, in my opinion. Yeah, well, 
Yeah, well, their bias is usually obvious if they have one, right? They're sure. not hiding it. It's they're just who they are. And so if you put a couple of those, you know, you get three or four of those those people together, you can kind of combine something and start to get a better picture. Then the hell you're going to get from, you know, the TV news. You get no argument from me on that one. And uh, James, uh, I'm also curious your take on COVID-19 and uh, what impact it has uh, for you, James, personally, if it has at all. Well, I'm now unemployed technically because of it. But really? Yeah. Join yeah. the club. <laughs> yeah. A lot of Americans well, are out of work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, AB5 had already taken a big hit because I do gig work. I do a lot of, you know, app based gig work and it, it, it cut out a lot of that. They cut out essentially two thirds of my app based gig work. And then when the COVID 19 hit, um, the job, the other job I worked for, I worked part time as an office manager, filing paperwork and putting binders together for classes, you know, that kind of thing. It doesn't pay a lot, but it pays some bills. But they had to lay me off because their contract was suspended with the state. And so they have no money coming in. They have no way to pay me. And so I get unemployed, which technically means I'm now being paid. Unemployment is now paying me to run for office. Nice. Okay. (laughs) Which I had some libertarian friends tell me, he says, you know what? It's the best tax money I've ever spent. So I'm saying, hey, you know. Sure. Why not? It's used for a good cause. For a a noble cause, then sure, why not? And I'm, you know, I'm not like I'm not looking for work. It's not like I'm trying to not trying to build other things and kind of put my life back together. But I didn't destroy my life, right? Yeah, yeah I wasn't going to destroy my life. Sure, but now I've it, done that myself plenty of times. I didn't need <laughs> help, and now <laughs> and, and they, you know, understood. And, and they kind of helped on this one, so they can pay, they can compensate me for it. That's what I kind of figure. Yeah, what I've been saying here on the program a lot, James, for the past couple of shows now is the fact that. Um, those who lost their jobs, they think uh, perhaps they might get another job quite similar to the last one they lost once everything sort of goes back to quote unquote normal. Uh, but the reality is, I don't think there's going to be much of a normal left when things go uh, quote unquote back to a normal. I don't think there is a normal anymore, James. I, the reality is uh, lots of jobs won't be available tomorrow. Nothing is promised. So everyone has to adapt and evolve, James. Uh, someone might you might you might need to get an, a, a new job for the yeah, most well, part. That's the benefit of being kind of a gig a gig worker. You can kind of make your own way. You don't have you're not you're not uh, scheduled on a job. I don't have a career, which is kind of which is both bad and good. At this stage, it's actually good. I was telling my my campaign team the other day the monopoly board has been tipped over. We used to have zero percent chance of winning, and well now it's no longer zero. Right? It's not saying it's great, but it's. Not- <laughs> But it's no longer zero because nothing is certain anymore. Not at all. That's the frightening so, part. So the job market future is future is uncertain. We don't know the if you have a small business, you have no idea what your future holds. Not at right? all. The only people who have any idea what the future holds are the people on Wall Street who are getting checks from the from the Fed. That's I, it. I have a, I have a very good friend who lives in in uh, Snohomish, Washington, who has a tattoo shop, and he's been closed. Since, uh, I guess the beginning of March, this poor guy is struggling. He's got a house with a mortgage. Uh, he's going through a divorce. Uh, uh you know, he's got to pay rent, rent for his building. Uh, had to lay off his employer or his employee. I mean, this poor guy is struggling. Big time. And, Big time. Yeah, yeah. Especially with a tattoo shop. And, you know, it, it burns me up where I see some of these businesses like, like Walmart and, um, other various types of uh, even food stores they're mm-hmm. open and I and I'm glad they're open don't get me wrong I'm glad they're open but it burns me up because you know even the post office is open why can't individual businesses be open and and be 
uh, ingenuitive with how they uh, prepare themselves to deal with the public. You know, put up a, a, a plastic wall, if you will, or or a sneeze guard, um, and deal with the public that way. But I think the government, I think the government came down too hard with this whole C, uh, CCP virus in thinking that. Nobody knows how to handle themselves. I, I, I don't know. I think it's out of control at this point. Well, and there's some point, you know, we do get, we as humans should get to choose some level of risk, right? We all get to, well, I get in the car. I used to drive, you know, when I was working, I drove right. a lot, 30,000 miles a year. That's a big, huge risk. Right? That's a bigger risk than the coronavirus. To, to me, as a 40-year-old, otherwise healthy person, the coronavirus isn't actually a big risk. You know, I can get real sick, but the actual risk of death is far less for coronavirus than it was for driving 30,000 miles a year. That's right. And, and I should be able to balance the – I should be able to make these balances and choices myself. Like I have very difficulty. I can't put a mask on for more than say five minutes without having an anxiety attack. So I go to stores that don't require masks. I don't have a cow about the stores that don't. It's not my choice. You know, I just look for the stores that allow me to go in there and and operate without a mask. I keep a mask in my pocket just in case, you know, it gets, it gets crowded and I feel like, okay, I should put a mask on for whatever reason. I haven't had to put one on yet, but I do keep it with me. And so we, we can be responsible and reasonable without losing our freaking heads like we seem to have done. Yeah, there's like some shutting people, down the whole country. There's I'm some sorry. people that uh, have lost their minds, especially behind the wheel of their vehicles. They're actually wearing a mask while driving. I think those people are insane. Yeah, no, some of those no. individuals have actually crashed their cars. Because of uh, yeah. the mask. You guys want this, this worse. I drive through some deliveries for Amazon. If you do a delivery for Amazon in your personal car, they want you to wear your mask oh, the whole not time. Good. From the time you go to pick up your packages <laughs> to the time you drop, drive them all around and drop them off at everybody. They want you to wear the mask the whole time. Like your packages are going to get coronavirus. Yeah. Oh my God. You're, you're not going to, you're not going to catch COVID-19 <laughs> in your car while you're driving. That's just, it's not possible. No, I get what their theory is. Their theory is you're going to sneeze or something. You're going to get some droplet on a package and they're going to get it to something. But that's not how it transfers. It, it Do they test you? Do they test you? No, they make you take your temperature before you go or they ask you to take your temperature before you go to your, your reporting to your shift. And right. then they make you wear a mask on when you get there. They give you, they give so, you a mask. So, so but, my, my, my point is if they're testing you by checking your temperature and you don't have a fever mm-hmm. and you're not sick – you know, how are you going to, as you said, sneeze in your car on a package and spread something you don't have? You're right. It's it's stupid. It's ridiculous. It's, it's healthcare theater. It's like it's like security theater at the airport for health for you know general use of healthcare. It's healthcare theater. Like walking around, you're not going to get COVID nineteen walking around your neighborhood. You're just not. You don't need to wear a mask. Now I get it. If you're in a bus. Right. Or you're in a in a crowded room. OK, you're you're reducing your chances. But walking down the street, you know, with your neighbor and you cross your neighbor walking his dog, you guys aren't going to give each other COVID-19. It's not right. going to happen. No, it's very you're unlikely. Not. And by the way, all this talk reminds me of a friend of mine who also owns a bar. He owned uh, two of them actually in town. And now I'm thinking, man, he must be hurting. I haven't talked to him in a while. Maybe it's time yeah. I give him a text message. Jesus, yeah. he's yeah, hurting. I, what are these? You know, we think about the economic impact that it has, but, the, you know, the emotional impact of having your business, of having all of that, you know, your bills are piling up and you've got no income and uh, that emotional impact. That psychological effect. A, we are going sure. to have a country full of PTSD when all this is done. Yeah. And yeah, the, I'm and telling you, James, the, the psychological that. impact of the shelter in place and all these things going on. I'm pretty sure we're going to open up the country even further and more people are going to get sick. 
And we're going to get right back uh, back, back into a shelter in place, James. It seems that way. The second wave for sure is coming, and all these looters out there are not helping whatsoever. I'm sure a lot of these people are going to get sick, James, in a few weeks from now. There is some hope in some of this data. The data is starting to look like maybe this COVID-19 has, hits the especially susceptible first and then kind of works its way through the rest of the thing. Now, data is very, very bad. So, right, because at first the data thought it was going to be, what, 3.5% death rate, and now it's like, what, 0.3, something like that overall. And so so the data is terrible, and the data collection is actually even worse. Yeah, I agree but, with that. But some of the But some of the data is showing that Maybe this thing has a, there's a genetic issue. I don't know. Or it hits the susceptible group first. And then as it kind of slowly works its way through the rest of the population, because what other countries are seeing, countries like Germany, is that the death rate actually declines as it goes through the, as it goes through the, works its way through the population. It's like it hits the, the most, the most acceptable people hard first. And then it kind of slowly works its way through the, the population. Now, again, you're going back to bad data and, and, in this kind of chaotic situation. So it's all worth a grain of salt. That's the real problem is there's just so much unknown and that's just really scary. And it puts a lot of fear in people. And so we're living in a time of, of massive fear and that's, you know, um, makes the world unpredictable. Definitely. We will find out soon enough while all the reports come in and uh, yeah, I'm looking at the chat room here. Lively bunch tonight. Yes. Very lively. Love that. <laughs> Uh, apparently hairdressers, oh, yeah, Lilith in the chat room says hairdressers are making appointments to cut in their homes. Um, I hope that's a safe thing to do. It should be though, right? If you're not sick. Yeah. Well, if you're not sick, there's no real danger. Yeah. You'll you know, be right? cool. I hope. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the, and you know, I always think we're going to have to get 60 to what 80% of the people are going to have to catch this thing in order to get through it. So, eh. You know, it's it's a tough thing. It's, I might have had it already, James, to be honest. I got really sick early on, early in the game here, and I had some of the, some of the symptoms. I didn't lose, um, like, my sense of smell or anything like that, and I didn't have a difficult time breathing, but I did have a very, very bad cough, and I had a very terrible headache, and it lasted about three to four days, but then I was fine after that. Well, this is the thing. Like, what do you say? 80% of the people who get this have, like, are essentially asymptomatic? Like you maybe get a headache or something. You don't even realize it. Like I, I don't get headaches and I had one a month ago, you know, that lasted for a couple of days. Really? I don't get headaches since my concussion. I used to get my migraines and my concussion solved that, which is very bizarre. We probably had like a, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we probably had like a mild strain, James. Yeah. Who knows? Or we don't have the genetic marker that makes it serious. You know what? Who knows what the underlying issue we're going to find in 10 years. Someone's going to go back. I, you know, I don't want to say guarantee it, but someone mark this down, write this down for me. And so <laughs> in 10 years, they're going to find out that there's a genetic marker that was that made this between the seriousness and those who had asymptomatic. Right. And Wilfred in the chat says, or maybe just the bad flu is probably what he's saying there. Yeah, it's yeah, it's that's like it's hard to know. It's, it's hard to it's know. It's literally impossible now. Yeah. I, well, I definitely don't want uh, the more um, mutated strains of COVID-19. I mean, James, who would have known that? a bat and a Pokemon character would contribute to the downfall of the world, basically. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, huh? This is 2020. What, have they got earthquakes in, in Yellowstone, which happen all Yellowstone. the time? But it's all scary now. Good Lord, the world is falling apart. Did you even, Mixing, did you saw that? You, you Have you been reading up on Yellowstone? That's another thing to worry about. I, another I thing. didn't catch <laughs> it. A friend of mine posted, came across my, my, my timeline. I didn't get a chance to kind of read a whole lot about it. I saw it a couple times on the timeline. That's how I know. 
but it's yeah the world is it's like kind of the world is coming apart at the seams what was that last week someone said they found a cave with that hadn't been opened in like five million years and found creatures in there <laughs> really <laughs> come on my goodness Deadlies. yeah yeah you know it's one of these things it could be a it could be a phony thing but it was funny and sure. <laughs> yeah, if, if they were saying there was creatures in there i'm, I'm pretty sure it was phony <laughs> That's yeah. funny. But it's like, close the cave up and walk away. You know, it's just... Obviously, <laughs> yes. This is not the year to be unearthing some ancient creature. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? I, I just keep wondering what's next, uh, Mike and James. You know, here in 2020, who would have expected all of these things to go down? We have this pandemic. We have what people are now calling a plandemic. And you have all these riots and looters out there. You have... Uh, the Pentagon mentioning UFOs again. You have all sorts of strange elements going on. Uh, you have uh, Carol Baskin out there as well, taking over uh, Joe Exotic's zoo, uh, Mike, by the way. <laughs> oh, my God, she did? She did. Yeah, I heard that. I haven't, oh, I haven't followed no. that at he all. Must, but He must be burning up in jail, man. Oh, you know he's pissed. He hated her. You know he's mad. Oh, man, that's so crazy. <laughs> 2020 is insane, James. Would you agree? It is. It's crazy. Uh, well, I'm running for office. Of course, it's insane. <laughs> I know that's right. Jesus, James, you're in there. You're right in the, the, the eye of the storm, James. Yeah. I just, you know, I thought I was going to be making a fight for AB5, trying to get worker freedom and just trying to change that little conversation. And now all of a sudden the whole world's gone to hell in a handbasket and I'm trying to help save the soul of the country. I don't know how this happened. I don't I either. I'm confused, I James. I myself the same question. <laughs> aren't, aren't both of you confused by all of this? It, it's just insane yeah. seeing these different yeah. agendas taking place right before our very own eyes. All the conspiracy uh, theorists out there feel vindicated now. Yeah. I mean, you don't even have to have necessarily have the right conspiracy, but, you know, hit one. You're going to hit it. It's something's going on, right? It, you don't even have to necessarily be right. It's like we're right. There's conspiracies going on. And yeah, there are. That's why people go to, go to jail for them, James. Yes. My goodness. 2020. What's next? That's all I keep wondering. What oh, else is going to happen? Don't jinx us, Michael. Don't jinx us. Are we going to go into yeah. war, James? Or are we going to battle with China? Well, let's hope not. They are, but China is making noises in Taiwan about these days, aren't they? I, I read something about that, what, yesterday, day before yesterday, where they were right. making some kind of threats against Taiwan. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, we brought in a guy uh, to, that lives in China, by the way, James. Me and Mike interviewed him, mm -hmm. and you know, he did not want to talk about Taiwan at all. That was like off. Oh. No, he was just, no, that's something he's not going to talk about. And he was, he was a pretty interesting character. I, I did like... The man from China, even though he is um, lots of things he kind of has to say, in my opinion, James. Yeah. Uh, or else, well, you know, got, they're, they're listening to him, right? He's got the social credit. System yeah. And people yeah, are listening. Life if he says the wrong thing. Exactly. I forget who we were talking to, Michael. But uh, when we mentioned the very comment that you, you just talked about with uh, uh, the teacher from China. The teacher, right. Uh, yeah, he, he uh, the response from one of our guests well was well he didn't want to say anything because he didn't want to end up dead the next day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's yeah, true. It, well, and it's not just him, it's their families, right? Generational. They'll 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 crack down on generations of his family. So it's not just him. He's worried about his whole family and his whole friend network and that's the whole danger of that type of top-down control system. It's right they, they control you not just you. So so good point. Good point, James. So again, uh, now that you brought that up, what are your thoughts on socialism in this country? Let me be specific. 
Socialism fundamentally doesn't work for the same reason the anarchy doesn't work because it ignores the basic human nature to to be free on socialism side and the anarchy side it, it ignores the basic human nature to live in groups. You still need order and that's the problem. Yes, like, you need you need like I like to say is I'm for the smallest amount of government possible for the time. Right. Well said. Well yeah, see said. that that's why I've always liked the libertarians, even though James, I'm not affiliated to any political party. But the first time I did vote, I did register as a Green Party member. But of course, I had issues with Ralph Nader. If you can recall that gentleman, the nice man in his nice suit wearing those uh, military boots. <laughs> Oh, good old Ralph Nader. I love that guy, even though he's uh, maybe a little corrupt, but I still like, I still kind of like Nader. I'm a, a little bit of a mark for him. Not as much a, a big fan as I am, though, however, for like a, a Ron Paul. You know, big, mm. I'm a big Ron Paul supporter, James. Okay, cool. I'm not sure if you support him, but, you know, I've always I liked him. I don't support him. I, I'm not I a Ron Paul libertarian. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not a Ron Paul libertarian. A lot of people came into libertarians because of Ron Paul. I, I'm a libertarian because I'm fundamentally a humanist. And and the Libertarian right. Party is where I can find a political home. I hear and, you. That, you know, that's why. That's also another reason why I kind of not really joined any sort of political affiliation because I'm not enough uh, for one side or the other. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm yeah, not I, radical I enough. I, 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 when people tell me I, I, I can't join a political party, I completely understand. Because, you know, joining a political party, it's you kind of lose part of yourself. You have to sacrifice part of yourself to be joining in that group. You just kind of do. and so. And so I completely understand when people says, no, I want to have the freedom to make into my, my free intellectual choices. I don't want to have to look in a, in that box. But, you know, for those of us who operate in the political fields, you know, we, this, the, the nature of the, the game is the nature of the game. And until we can change it, you kind of have to play, play in it. And so, you know, what is it? Uh, Gandhi, he said, you have to learn the rules so you know how to break them properly. Mm. Well, I've, I've learned a lot of rules. And so I know which ones I have to break and I know which ones I have to try and follow. And, you know, that's kind of what we're trying to do. You love your country, James? Yes. I love my country and I love the people in it. I don't know. You know, there's, it's a simple, it's a simple question. Definitely. Right. And it's simple a good answer. And it's, it's a good yeah. answer too. No doubt. I'm a simple man. You know, I, I can sit here and vamp and fill time if, if we really need to, but uh, simple questions get a simple answer. I love my country. I love the people in my country. Now I'm a humanist. I love all human beings, but you know, we live in a, the, the realities of political borders exist and in, right. And so we, I accept that. And so, yeah, I love my country. We have, we have a unique culture that other countries in the world don't have. And it's not made, it doesn't make it better or worse than the other country. It just makes it ours. How do you feel about closed borders? I'm not a fan of closed borders. I'm, you know, being a libertarian, you're a, or at the, and the civil libertarian in me, you know, you don't like closed borders. You want people to be able to move freely. Um, you do have need to have some kind of control over borders because that's the reality of the world we live in, right? You do just you just do, and arguing over those kinds of minor details essentially is just stupid. I don't like to waste my time on it. What about people um, who feel it's legitimate for them to come over the border without going through the proper um, procedures as so many other uh, uh, immigrants who have become Americans have gone through? Well, that is the fundamental problem, right? It's, I don't particularly care that people want to come over the border. It's that we have a system that makes other people wait. And that's the problem because we shouldn't, you shouldn't be able to cut in front of line, right? That's fundamentally unethical. I don't like the word fairness. It's unethical. 
It's not unfair. It's unethical. We have people who have to wait years sometimes to get into this country. And right. we've got other people who just kind of walk over the border. Now there's that's, reality. That's my point. That's my point. Now there are realities. There are realities of geography that kind of play into that. But we also have solutions. We can look back at Ellis Island. We know how to deal with this, right? Historically, if you could deal with, with mass immigration in the 19, in early 1900s to Ellis Island and other induction centers and get them in and out of there in three days, we can do it now. Oh, but au contraire, sir, you must take into account that in the early 1900s, there were only 1.5 billion people worldwide, and now we're up to 7.8 billion people worldwide. So there's a huge influx of people, and they want to come into this country. And and here, not to change the subject, but I just want to bring this up. This is where I get angry about the whole America is racist nonsense, where if we're so racist, why are so many people trying to come here? Well, because that's, that's, this issue isn't about race. It's, I actually think this issue is culture. What well, we have, I'm, have not, with, I'm, I'm not, oh, I'm not sorry. leaning. I'm, that's all right. I, I don't want to be disrespectful. No, no. But uh, I'm not trying to lean into the race uh, topic again. All I'm saying is with the borders and keeping yeah. them done properly so that whoever gets in line to say, hey, I want to be an American citizen. I'm from Mexico. I'm from uh, Taiwan. I'm from China. I'm from Jap- Japan. Whatever. Yeah. When they come in, there's a procedure and that procedure could be handled very easily. I've known many people. I, I, I know a friend of mine who's married to a Polish girl who came and she spent four years working to, to, to pay the amount of money that she had to pay to become an American citizen and she did it. And now what? We're supposed to just let the Mexicans who want to come in here do it for free? Well, she shouldn't have had to pay that money. I'd give her a refund. <laughs> Okay, be that as it may, whatever it may, all I'm saying, all I'm saying is that there shouldn't, like you said before, no, I there agree. shouldn't be any cutting in line per se. Yeah, the, the system is fundamentally flawed and we need to redesign the system. And, and it's not the, it's not, it's not the immigrants fault that we screwed up the system. And so I don't want, I don't want to make sure we don't, we're not blaming immigrants because we as politicians and, and the public haven't held our, haven't held our politicians feet to the fire to fix it properly. Oh, I blame I, Obama. I, her, I, I, I blame Obama 100% for what happened. All these people who have had to spend all their time and spent a lot of money to get in, they should get refunds. Yes, they really should. I've not. I've, we're printing money and giving it to everybody else. Give them their money back. They shouldn't have to pay of that if the other people aren't. If, if wow. You know, it's it's my morality doesn't change based upon uh, these issues. It's it's fundamentally the system's fault, and if the system is broken, it's we're responsible for it, and so we have to compensate. If we've wrongly taken things from people, we have to compensate it, or at the very least, we have to fix the freaking system. And if we don't, it's our failure. And but because I'm sitting on the outside, I can't fix it. All I can do is sit and yell and point and all that. Well, I can try and change it. I can have try and get inside, and I can try and change it. Have you ever traveled to another country? Canada does not count, so no. No, Canada's <laughs> part of North America. I'm talking no, like you know. I don't even have a passport. I, I don't even have a passport, guys. Uh, to be okay. honest, but, yeah, yeah. I have. I've been. I've been to Europe, uh, most of the countries in Europe, and I've been to several countries in South America. And let me tell you, uh, they don't take any crap. You know, you you've got to do things by the law, by the rules. You can't just slip into their country without going through the proper procedures. And if you do, you will be either exported or spend a good portion of your life in jail. It's a lot more so, uh, strict, actually. You know, that's exactly a lot of Americans. They uh, they're saying that they're going to leave the country and go out to X, Y and Z. But the reality is it's quite difficult to just get up and leave. Yeah, It's yep. quite difficult to immigrate to, to Canada, actually. 
Yeah, it's not very easy. <laughs> right. And that's just yeah. Canada. You can yeah. Imagine trying to go to like, like, uh, oh, I don't know. I could tell you France has got, they've got their foot on your neck at no pun intended with the whole situation that's going on. But I mean, I've been to France and man, they, they're like, it was like going through a SWAT team to get to, to, to the plane and they had dogs on us and everything. I mean, it, I, yeah, I, but I don't like to take Europe. I don't like to take Europe's key on on my freedoms because you know right. Europe has a history of of being not free. Whatever so. the case, I'm I'm simply trying to make a point, which is we are the most liberal country in the world, and it seems that too many people are taking that for granted, and they and make it are, seem like uh, we're so self-titled. That's evil. why. <laughs> yes, that's right. It's actually that's worse right. than that. They don't understand that we're the most liberal country in the world. It's not that they take it for granted; it's that they don't know. It's actually worse. And whose fault is that? I blame I blame the the educational programs. Yes, and it's and it's the political system runs the educational system. We go right back down to the political system. Social engineering people is the failure. We have politics deciding what people. We have politicians deciding what people should be educated on is fundamentally stupid. <laughs> okay. Well, when the government and, decides what you should be doing, that's when you should probably question your government. Yeah, right. I mean, sorry, I but that's the truth. Politicians are the last people on earth who should be deciding what goes into an educational book. Absolutely. No argument from me. <laughs> Have you seen what they're teaching kids these days? It's Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, wow. I guys, I saw I saw something uh where the heck was I looking? I was looking on my phone. Uh, oh, Michael, it was that YouTube link that I sent to you. In in Sweden, they have gotten to the point where they take children in in like grade school and they have eliminated the terms boy and girl. And I'm talking kids from like preschool up to like eighth grade. And they're they're telling them that it's okay to come in and let the boys play with dresses and play with kitchen sets and let the girls play uh, uh, be more, as they said, rough. If you get a chance, Michael, check out that, that link I sent you. Uh, if you want, I could resend it to you, whatever. All I'm saying is that there are certain countries that are have gotten – to the point of such political correctness, uh, it, I guess that would be the term. I wouldn't even call it political correctness. What would you say that is, Michael? I would say it's inhumane and <laughs> cruel to sort of um, put those sort of thoughts into kids that are just developing. They shouldn't even have developing. any. They shouldn't even be given a choice to be doing things like that or be taught such things. I mean, that's Absolutely. that's a little too early on to be sort of influence, influencing uh, children. Into which way they should be living their lives, their uh, their sexuality. I mean, that shouldn't even come into play in school. Nope, I agree a hundred percent. That's why I brought this up. What does it have to no. do with school? Well, it, yeah. it doesn't, and it's funny. I've raised five kids, four boys and a girl. My youngest, my my youngest, my daughter is she's the youngest, and you know, so she was essentially raised by wolves. I was a single father for most of her, you know, her formative years from sure. seven on up, and so. And so she was essentially raised by wolf, but you know, she is still a young woman. You, you know, she's as tough as nails and she's kind of, you know, she has some, so we say manly traits, but she is still all woman. And so you can't actually train these things out of these kids. You can't, no matter how much her brothers and me accidentally tried to raise her as a boy, because that's all we knew what to do. <laughs> she still ended up being she's still gonna end herself. Up, yeah. And, and, that's if, important. If you, and if you try that as at seven, if you've got that in being enforced at seven years old in the school, what kind of psychological damage is that going to be when they're 25, 20, oh, 30 no years old? Absolutely. Doubt. No doubt. They're going to be working that out for the rest of their lives. And, yes. and, and uh, you know, I've said this a hundred times on the show. I have got nothing against gay people. Nothing at all. I've known gay people for all, a good portion of my life. We've got nothing a lot of gay them. listeners out there, too. 
And, Technically, and, I'm bisexual, guys. So you know, okay. I, that's I okay. Fit. You could and so, yeah, that's fine. fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, the only people who should care are the people who I may want to have sex with. And since it's only the one person right now, it's nobody's business. But that's absolutely. <laughs> I'm with you on that. It, it's but, you know your I mean, choice. Let's face it, James and Michael. Boys are boys. And girls are girls. You have a Y chromosome or you don't. It's yeah. as simple as that. If you want to be gay, if you want to go – if you're a boy and you want to be with other boys, that's fine. But you're still a boy. <laughs> yeah, you're still biologically a man or a woman. Right. And and so to teach it at such a young age is – I think it's terribly wrong. It yeah. really is. It yeah, you really is going to screw up that child. Yeah, you got to let I the child develop and you know find their own way when it comes to that. Yeah, this is true because we are, we all have, we're all born on this vast spectrum of human diversity and sexual diversity is just as real as, you know, hair color diversity and everything else. And so, yes, clearly there's a boy who, there's children who are born boys, but as they develop, they have, you want to call them girl traits or they have want to, they are more on the girlish spectrum. Their brain and their bodies are separate. They're different, right? I've met people who's essentially their brain and their body as a crass term. Sure. Their brains and their body are separate. And, you know, and that has to be an insanely difficult life to live, right? I can't even wrap my head around how do you live like that, right? And so, but I can accept that people do because I've met them. I've talked to them. And so, so that is true. But you don't sit there and impose that on everybody. Yeah. You create the conditions where they are free to be who they are, but you don't sit there and make everybody kind of live like that. It's, it, you're, you're trying to protect one person at the expense of a hundred and it doesn't make sense. Especially to let them let them learn it as they become adults, not children. Right. Yeah. Well, because as long as they're allowed to evolve by the, on their own, they will evolve on their own. You don't need to direct it. You just need to allow it. You need right. to, you know, foster. It's like watering a plant. You give it water. You give it the right fertilizer, and it will grow into what it is will be. Exactly. I was gonna. I was just about to say, uh, let nature take its course. Exactly. Yeah. Our job as parents is to not not to tie our kids to a vine. It's not to tie them to a to a stake and, and force them to grow some way. It's to feed them and water them and to give them the nutrients they need so they can grow into whatever plant and whatever style they, they can best become. Although I got to say, I do enjoy seeing children when they're on those like leashes with their parents. <laughs> That's just funny. <laughs> hey, man, when you've got a bunch of kids and you got one's a runner. <laughs> you got to have a leash on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, you need that leash when you one of them is a runner. You need that leash, right. So I kind of think that's cool. That's funny. <laughs> when one of those suckers is a runner, man, you need that leash. That's true. <laughs> well, James, we well, are um, uh, coming to a close, not yet, but uh, soon here. I just wanted to say thank you uh, for giving us some time with you. We're not done yet, though, again. I'm just uh, giving you a heads up here that we are going to wind down soon. Okay. No, it's been fun. I didn't even realize. Look at the clock. Wow, it's been a, it's been a while. It's cool. Time, time flies when time, you're having fun, right? Time that's, flies, yeah. So, uh, flies when you're talking politics. That's right. Uh, James, so with all the riots going on, what, what do you see in terms of the end game here? Well, what's going to happen? Do you think we're going to see more weeks ahead of people rioting and looting the unscrupulous sort of um, visuals that we see from these individuals out there? What's on your mind, James? What do you predict? Well, if predict i man what's on the crystal well, ball what do you see well, our predictions are are hereby written in uh, erasable ink so let's just say um but i would actually suspect that we're going to have this kind of thing all summer we're going to get sparks all summer because that's what happens you know we'll get some police abuse somewhere else and protests will spark up and there will be groups who will try to take advantage of it 
hopefully our political leaders and the police and the, and the protesters are now sophisticated enough to kind of be able to weed them out and be able to kind of not be so overtaken by people with other agendas and who are more prepared than they are and more organized. But, you know, I wish I had a happier thing. You know, I've been trying to, I wanted to run for office on a forward thinking kind of happy go lucky. You run for office. You're always forward thinking, looking for the good things in life. And it's just so hard these days. It's hard. Yeah. All I see is, is kind of more of the same until we actually get some fundamental change. And I don't see anybody in the political sphere other than people outside of it who are looking for fundamental change. How do you feel about Joe Biden? Joe Biden is just more of the same. He's a vanilla. He's a vanilla Democrat. He's and, and it's not even Joe Biden. Joe Biden is simply the the figurehead for the establishment. For the right. Democratic what does that mean, vanilla vanilla Democrat? It just means he's the whatever this flavor of Democrat they need him to be to feed the base. It also um, means he's cookie cutter. Yes. Okay. He's he's just he's a, a clean slate. He's. They'll put what they'll hang whatever on him they want him to hang. If there's chocolate syrup they need, they'll put chocolate syrup on it. If it's sprinkles, they'll put sprinkles on it. It's just he's, he's a, flavorless. Yeah. It's in other words, he's a company guy. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want that. Yuck. I like I like vanilla ice cream. I just didn't know what it meant. No, <laughs> vanilla, I, vanilla, vanilla ice cream is good. Yeah. No worries. It just means he's kind of the standard play. It's 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 the go to thing. It's it's he's a default character in a video game. In other words. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Now NPC-er. I understand. There you go, my yes. friend. And by the way, um, the election is coming up November 3rd, by the yes, way. Sir. And um, it seems like forever. Well, not forever. It, it just seems like that, that day is just not going to come. But it, it, it'll it be here soon enough. Oh, man. It seems like it's been – I ran for – I started – filed for office like January 6th. It seems like it's been three years. And it's only been six months. It'll get here. <laughs> it'll get here. Don't worry. It's, it's like just it's taking a time. long way to go, man. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like I said, I'm emotionally Slow tired. Scott, I've got five months left. Yeah, you still have a uphill battle to go. Oh, yeah. yeah. you got a lot more to go, my friend. Yeah. And somehow I don't think they're going to let me stop after November. So we'll we'll see how that goes. No doubt, James. Well, it's been a honor and pleasure to be talking to you here. I'm glad you were on board here and you didn't let anyone uh, take away the chance uh, for you to be here. Because I know I can't really uh, do too many interviews, right? Oh, I do as many as I can. I love talking to people. That's what I do. But I mean, in such a free way. That's what I do. I'm trying to change the world. And if you can't change the world by shutting up. Very good, James. You're a good man, James. I enjoyed having this conversation with you. I definitely have to bring you back on again. Hey, hey you guys know how to get hold of me. I'm happy to do it. Right yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, so, James, go ahead and plug anything you'd like before we cut you loose. If you guys want to hear more about me, just go to justforassembly.com. Everything's there. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter, James Just, and or just James Just on the social media. Uh, you know, I, I'm i not a salesman. That's not what I am. I'm, hell, I'm barely a politician. So <laughs> That's why we like you. I'm just me. And so look me up. You know, I'm all belief in organic things, so you guys can you know check me out on your own. I'm not here for a sales page. Love that. Once again, James, thank you so much for being a part of the program, and we'll see you on the other side, James. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. And and thank you for putting up with all the questions that I asked you. Hey, that's – no, man. I'd love to talk to you guys. Interesting questions are I'd love to talk. I'd love to answer. Thank you, James. Good luck with everything. Thanks, guys. Mahalo. I like James. I hope he succeeds. But, again, he's facing a Democrat, and they're pumping lots of money into his adversary. Yeah, that's just usually the way it is, Michael. He liked to say that he's not competing, but – I'm sorry, but it's always comp- competition. E- either you're number one and you won, and that's it. 
There's no number two. I agree. You either won or you didn't. That's the way I see it. I'll tell you, man, I, I would never be able to run for any particular office. No, I wouldn't uh, be able to position. either. I mean, either, man. I mean, I'm too much of a, a dictator of sorts who will run things with an iron fist. Yeah. You yeah. and me both. Now, if it's I a had good that, thing they don't have both of us running because. Exactly. Like, and I told someone I that on Twitter just recently, Mike. Did you? Oh, yeah. There are some uh, uh, gentlemen out there on, on the uh, Twitter universe who said it's a good thing that you don't make the rules. Yeah. <laughs> and I, then I thought, yeah, he said, well, he said, well, good thing you don't get to make the rules. And I told him, I, uh, uh, you know, so I you're want, probably right. <laughs> I want to tell him, well, you sure as hell should be very glad that I'm not uh, in charge of anything, you know? And I told him, I told him, you know, if I was, if I was, I, I probably would have uh, destroyed parts of this country and other countries um, around us. <laughs> And that's just Amen. the truth. I'm not. I'm not lying about that. I, I would have. I, and and I understand what you're saying. I totally agree with you. I I get it. Um, and yeah, I I, I probably wouldn't be able to do it myself either, Michael. Because I, plus the pressure, it just just can't do it. Yeah, it's a good thing I don't. You know, like I, I told him, I said I would have wiped out most of this country and others. <laughs> and I don't apologize for that. That's just the truth. Heaven's <laughs> raining bullets, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> you like that? I like that. It's a great it song. It certainly is. A, Thank you, buddy. It's a great song and, of yours that I enjoy. And you're absolutely right. Uh, heaven is raining bullets currently. And uh, boy, oh boy, I hope somebody puts the fire out, so to speak. I know. You know, I was kind of um, taken back when I asked him what he sees in the future with these um, riots. He doesn't see an end. Uh, you know, I hope there's an end to this. I mean, this is getting a little out of control. <laughs> you know, I, I, I said, I said a couple of shows back, Mike, I said, this is not, you know, uh, this is kind of pale compared to the LA riots, but this has surpassed that a long time ago already. Well, the thing with the LA riots was that it was localized in just California for, right. for the most part, right? Mm -hmm. Um, this has gone this is everywhere. Mm -hmm. and that's, it's frightening. I'll tell you, I, I just can't believe what's happening. I really can't. What is happening to my country? It's gone. It seems that way. Yeah. But yeah. I got to tell you, Michael, out of everything that's happening, I still have faith in, in my country. I still have faith in my country. Do you have a shotgun, by the way? At least uh, I have one shotgun, yes. Got one of those, huh? <laughs> yeah, nice 12 gauge that my pop gave me. Nice. I, you know, I'm not yeah. fortunate enough to have a one of those around, but you know, I'm I surprised wish. you can't you you could just get one in California. I mean, they're basically probably the best protection uh, gun you could you could own. I would like one. You know, I would really like owning like a P90. What's a P90? Is that a, a uh, what is that? That's just a killing machine, my friend. <laughs> okay. What is it though? Like what kind of gun? It's a very, very, very expensive gun, a very accurate gun, a gun I wish I could be shooting, the FNP90. A, a rifle? It's a, it's not a rifle. It's like a... Handheld? Pistol? No, it's an automatic um weapon, really. Like something you'd put on the back of a it's, Toyota? No, no, no. It's like a military <laughs> weapon, my friend. <laughs> Um, okay. Okay. I, I'll have to look it up. I'm not sure. I don't know my guns that well. Um, but, uh, I, if you were to get like a shotgun, I mean, a shotgun would be awesome. A shotgun is, 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 it's the best and easiest 
form of firearm protection there is because all you got to do is point and shoot for the most part. You don't have to aim too well. Like I was gonna say, it's like, like a, a, I was going to say it's like a hybrid of sorts, like a pistol sort of. It, I, in fact, I think it's better than a pistol because, again, you know, when you fire a cartridge out of a shotgun, it's it's multiple BBs. But then again, it, it's well, we can actually say it's like a submachine gun rather. You think so? Why? Why would you say it's a like a submachine? It's gun? like a hybrid of sorts. That's what, if if I recall, they, or it's like a compact assault rifle. In other words, that's kind of what it's officially labeled as. Oh, okay. I didn't it, know that. Yeah, it's a weird little create. Well, it's not that small, but it's an awesome uh, creation. Highly legal here in America, of course. Yeah, and and you know the one I've got, it, it's as it's as tall as I am, uh, so about a little over five feet, and um. You know, it's a hunting gun, of course, but uh, since I don't hunt, I, I keep it for protection. And I've always told people if, if the best protection firearm you can own is a shotgun because you don't have to worry too much about aiming. You just sort of point it in the general direction and take down your target. Um, and, and, and another thing, as soon as somebody hears that, they go running. Oh, of after course. They, after they pee their pants. <laughs> the P90 kind of sounds like this. Ooh, <laughs> sounds like a cannon. <laughs> it's it, it. There's some kick there, yeah. That. Well, yeah. And the other thing with, with getting a shotgun is, I think you could walk into a store in in California. They'll do the background check, and then you could technically get technically get it because it's not a, a concealed uh uh firearm. In other words, you, like a pistol or something small, you, you have to go through a much rigorous um. Uh, process in order to get the gun, especially Whereas, in California. Jesus, right, right, and, and and as I was saying, with a shotgun, a shotgun's a little bit more easily accessible and a lot more, uh, home, in my opinion, a lot more home protective. Yeah, I'm not quite too familiar with shotguns in California. I don't think you can have one though. Why not? If if you're a hunter, well, not here. In California? There's yeah. got to be hunters in California. I just don't think you you can own one. Maybe it's I just a short maybe it's just a short barreled shotgun. I'm not quite sure. I don't I'm not Right, too, those are those are like the SWAT guns. Uh, yeah, I'm just not, on. yeah. Yeah, I'm just not too familiar with with the shotguns really out here cuz I've never really like um, even considered buying one, really. I just always thought, um, well, you know, they're kind of cool. But never should own a shotgun. I, yeah, but I just never, you know, gone and um, committed committed to buying one, you know. You should check into it, man. I mean, I mean, you know, if you want, just check into it because if you're cons- if you're serious about it, I, I think. And again, this is all my opinion. I just think it's one of the best forms of protection. It's just so. My friend would agree with you. Like, yeah, I got a I got a friend actually who owns one. Yeah. Yeah, but I I'll- think his is illegal. <laughs> Oh, and is it is it one of the sawed off like not sawed off like a sh- a short shotgun? Oh no, it is sawed off. See that that's that's illegal. Oh, of course. But but it, it, for example, out here in Pennsylvania, it if be. I wanted to, yeah, yeah. Say again. I said over there it probably wouldn't be right. No. Yeah. Uh, in fact, there's a lot of guns out here, uh, as well as other states that you could get that you would not be able to get in California, right. New Jersey, New York, Connecticut. So yeah, but out here. Yeah, you you can actually get one of those tactical shotguns, and lucky. Uh, yeah, see that yeah. that would be cool—an automatic shotgun. I would yeah. love that. So yeah, they they are accessible out here, uh, but again, of course, it's all in responsibility. If you do something wrong, obviously they're gonna gonna take it away from you or take you down if you're using it for a bank robbery or something. Oh, big time! You know, but uh, yeah, I I 
I've shot my father's uh, shotgun. Well, I should say my shotgun. Um, and uh, I always come back with a sore shoulder. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I was gonna. I Power. thought you. Were, I thought you were gonna say you shot your dad. Oh gosh, no! <laughs> but uh, it, it's just a powerful uh, rifle or shotgun, I should say. And um, yeah, I love it. Uh, it just always hurts my arm when I I get done shooting it. I was gonna say you're like Dick Cheney. <laughs> you shot that guy, right? <laughs> I didn't shoot nobody. You guys were out. You guys were out, You and your old man were out shooting quail, and you shot your dad. I thought. <laughs> I'm like, holy shit! Mike has a Dick Cheney story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, fortunately, that's uh, not the case here. You're the most amazing guy. Thank you. Thanks, Donald. People Bloody. think I'm controversial, but the truth is I'm a nice guy. Me too. And I, You're I brilliant. Won't... You're handsome. You're rich. I, I'm not rich. <laughs> Michelle. I don't know why he's talking Michelle. about Michelle for. Calling me Michelle? I think he called you Michelle. <laughs> it's crazy. When was so the what... last time... Anybody saw us beating, let's say, China? That's true. What, what, what do you think about what's going on, Michael? Why don't you give us your opinion today? I love China. That was my opinion, too. I love China. I love China. What you about... Uh, you don't love China? About, uh, no, you, but we all know that already. I have a very deep hatred for China, China right now. China is so beautiful, my God. I don't know how you can possibly hate China. It's, it's lovely this time of the year. Well, I don't I, even know. I, <laughs> I don't even know what the weather is over there. I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, I used to like China. I really did. I, I, I love the music, the culture. But after this whole CCP virus, I'm, I'm through. I think we might go to war with China soon. I hope not. They are very powerful. I think we uh, might. I really hope that's not the case. But you may be absolutely right. What do you think of these you riots? We're fucking though, done professionally. Seriously, you man, you and me, we're fucking done professionally. That was um, okay. that was Christian Bale, by the way. Oh, was it? Yeah, I hit the wrong button here. I'm sorry. <laughs> what do you think about these riots that are going on? They are crazy. That's sad. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, we're seeing riots all across the country. I don't think anyone could have imagined that was going to take place. That's pretty pretty interesting so far, especially with the coronavirus going on. Who would have thought? They don't give a shit about COVID-19 out there. Yeah. And I think they don't give a shit about George Floyd. No. Well, not not what we're seeing. Not uh, these people that are looting. They don't, I don't think they care about that. Yeah. That's exactly my point. I, I think they have they're, they're, there's nothing to do with them protesting for the because of the death of George uh, Floyd. No. And as I said, I, I am in full support of. Putting that officer away, what he did was wrong. Um, that guy did not need to die for the counterfeit money he had. And all these protests uh, continue across the U.S., despite what uh, Trump said about deploying the military. And has he done that yet? I know the Coast Guard has been released in several states. but Has he released the, the military yet? I'm not sure. Wow. I'm not sure yet. Well, what do you think about that? What do you think about that? Apparently it says they, they are though. It just, someone right here is uh, telling me that they are and they okay, did so in some place. What, what do you think? It, 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 let's just say they go ahead and release the military. What are your feelings on that? Well, I think it might be necessary at this point before things get too carried away. I agree. Because this is sort of like the last uh, resort in my opinion. 
to use the military force for crowd control in the United States as we're watching all the looting and mayhem ensue. I think this might have been the best thing to do, perhaps. I agree. It might have been. But who knows? We'll see. We'll see how all this goes down. It's quite entertaining, to say the very least. And that's probably not the best word to use. But um, really, let's... Who are we kidding here? Let's not sugarcoat anything. This is quite entertaining, what's going on in America, for better or for worse. For lack of a better term, yes, I agree. It's uh, it's captivating, it's, Mike. It really is. Indeed. I'm that glued. was the next word I was going to use. I'm captivating. Glu- I'm just glued to my cell phone and computer uh, constantly now. With all these things going on, it's it's really something else. It's it's hard to really come up with with the proper verbiage to even describe or even begin to describe what's going on in America and all the things that we're seeing become undone right before our very own eyes, Mike. Yeah, and I agree with you. The only word I would use, the first word I use is sad. It, it makes me very sad to see what's happening. And I'm not going to say... You know, oh, well, because, you know, some people would would come back with the term like, well, you know, you should be blame the police. No, I don't blame the police. I don't blame the police. There are bad people in all walks of life. And You're just unbelievable, one in, man. Just one incident of a cop killing a, a, an innocent person doesn't make all cops bad. No. And by the way, I'm glad you said that. We will be talking to a police officer, a female rookie, very soon. Once I set that up, it'd be good to talk to someone who is new to their job and see what they go through day to day. Interesting. Good. When is that? Well, I haven't set it up just yet, but oh, okay. that's underway. Good. Underway, underway. All of that will come very soon. And of course, we do have another show coming up. I believe that would be, um, I believe Friday. Okay. Yeah, Friday we, we do have a show and that is going to be badass. As they all are. Yeah, it's been fun, right, doing these shows. We have a show with uh, Dan Handley. He's in uh, he's in Pakistan. He's an American oh. pilot for 9-11. He's one of... Love... Yeah, he's a supporter of 9-11. He's a pilot. And, of course, he got 86 for his... Um, for him being so so outspoken about the subject that they 86 the man. And, of course, that- he lost everything after that. When you say 86, do you mean court-martialed? That means he got fired, basically, and just exiled from everything. They ruined his from life. The, from the military? No, 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 not the military, just his job as a pilot. Oh, 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 oh. He's a commercial, he was a commercial pilot. Okay, I didn't quite know uh, what you meant. I'm sorry. It's okay. But he's in Pakistan, and it's going to be a great time. So much to get into with him. He's going to make a good presentation here, and... Yeah, he he's got a lot to say. He has a so much uh so much to say. He's he's gonna put on a, a great show. In other words, Mike. Great, awesome. I'm assuming you found him uh, through one, what does he have like a talk show or something or just no? Somebody? He's just been interviewed a bunch of times. Okay, good. I'm looking forward to it. Yep. And then Saturday we have another show. Got so a, that would be that would be Max Egan making a return. I got to tell you for a second there, when you said Max, I thought you said, or were about to say Maxine Waters. Oh yeah, Maxine Waters, she'll be here Saturday. She's going to call into the show. What the hell I was thinking. He's going to be a he. She's going to be taking uh, calls here. Yeah, so don't worry. Saturday, uh, Maxine Waters and Nancy Pelosi will be here. Impeach 45. Impeach 45. She's going to be here and... That's going to be great. And of course, we might even have 
Someone Schumer. like uh like a Michael Jackson maybe in here. Oh, maybe it's Michael Chuck Jackson. Schumer. Michael Jackson. Might that's have just, him here. That's just ignorant. You know, I don't have him saying that. I wish I did. You could probably get it off a South Park episode. That's just ignorant. That's I, ignorant. Yeah, I wish I had it here. I, I don't. But yeah, I, okay. I came across a bunch of uh, sound drops here, so I've been uh, laughing and playing them. That's why you hear all these random sound drops of uh, things. Um, listeners out there, I apologize for that. <laughs> been having fun here. But yes, definitely stay uh, tuned for that. Saturday will be fine. And along with Friday, Friday and Saturday will, will both be awesome, Mike. I can't wait. As they always are, Michael. Yeah, these have been, these have been some pretty interesting shows, Mike, to say the very Heck least. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Mike, a program director, by the way, I remember he had uh, been telling me, uh, a guy from Chicago, this randomly came to my mind, he, he was telling me, you know, and this is because I had uh, mentioned to him how excited I am uh, by doing the show. And he told me after doing it after two years, uh, that excitement will go away. Well, Mike, I've been doing this for a lot longer than two years and that excitement has never gone away. That's actually really wonderful. You know what? That to me, that tells me you are dedicated. You love what you do and you're devoted. Of course. Kind of like the same thing, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, you know where he's at? In jail? He's dead. I, oh, I shouldn't laugh. That was horrible. That's Just okay. The way, you, the way you brought it on, the way you presented it was kind of comical. Well, I brought it in um, in a comical way because he was a douche. Oh, okay. He's a big <laughs> asshole. Yeah, he was trying to like degrade me and say, oh, that's just a honeymoon phase and yada, yada, yada. And they try to lowball oh. me and all this bullshit in this Chicago radio station that was, that was interested in airing the show. And he was such a fucking asshole. Wow. His, his um, words came into my mind uh, tonight. Before we even started the show, I was going to add him during the monologue uh, here and talk about that. But I just thought, you know, we have so much to get into. I don't want to make this about me. So I just continued on and his words just kept coming back into my head. And I thought, well, where is he? And I thought, oh, yeah, he's dead. He's dead. He's dead. <laughs> That's where he's at. There you go. Now, what are you going to say? Yeah, what are you going to say now? <laughs> What are you going to say now, jerk? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, seriously, you know, you, I'm so happy to hear that you love doing what you do and how it's been. At least oh, that company went under, by the way, too, that radio station. Okay. Just like I told uh, him. Yeah, just like I told him what would happen if he kept going along with what he was doing. I'll just keep it short, but yeah. And now he's dead. He's dead. His company went what? out of business. He lost everything as well. This was pre-COVID years ago and gone. Future endeavored. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Like I was saying, it's just really good to, to know that you're so dedicated in what you do. And I really respect that a lot. Well, thank you. You're quite welcome, pal. I feel like this is what was necessary. And you know, so many other people respect what you do uh, simply by having been on the show and they say it like, you know, Hey, we, I had a good time. You guys are good. Um, well, you know what? I'm not even going to put myself in the equation when it was just your show. There have been so many people that you have interviewed that have come back and love doing the show with you. And now that I'm on it, um, we've gotten some good reviews as well as some bad, of course. And, uh, you know, it, but mostly good and the people enjoy it. And that, that's why I'm, I'm so happy to work with you on your show because the dedication you put into it, um, and the passion you have for your own show. I, I greatly respect that. 
Yeah, people like the show. People love me. People love you as well, Mike. And uh, Dan Hanley actually told me it was a Russian man who told him about myself. Can you believe that? Interesting. A Russian man knew about the show. Astavia. From Russia to Pakistan. Who would have thought? <laughs> How random. And that, that's the world we live in, though, Mike. It's, it's smaller every day. It grows smaller every day, it seems. Yeah, well, yeah, pretty much. Insane. So, Mike, as we wrap up here, I do want to thank you again for being a part of the program. Always a my, well done when you're here. A job my, well done, rather. My pleasure. My pleasure, Michael. Thank you. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, so anything you'd like to plug, Mike, go ahead. Uh, just the usual. Folks, if you're interested in any of my artwork um, and photography, you can check it out at horribleartwork.com. Don't let the name fool you. It's not all horrible. Uh, horribleartwork.com. If you'd like to check out any of my music, uh, musical efforts throughout the last 30 years, you can go to mikehideous.com. And that's M-Y-K-E, hideous.com. And if you would like to check me out on Facebook uh, and get in touch with me, that way you can reach me at facebook.com slash hideousmike, M-Y-K-E. I want to say thank you to Michael, as usual. Uh, thanks to James for being our guest and putting up with all my tough questions. And I want to thank the audience for listening. Thank you very much, everyone. Um, Michael and I both love you. Sorry, I had a had dramatic music there. That was pretty cool. <laughs> for no reason, just for no reason at all. Hey, by the way, real quick, have you been playing the uh, the intro with the? Uh, uh, no, it's no, Michael and Mike. No, I didn't today. Oh, I'm running late. Okay, okay. Well, just curious. Yeah. All right, buddy. That's it. I'm good. All right, my friend. Take care. All right, and I'll talk to you probably tomorrow by text or something. You right? got it. Hey, check out that text I sent, uh, that link I sent you if you can. It, it's you'll get a good kick out of it. All right, I got it. All right, buddy. Have a good night. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. Take care, Mahalo. Take care. And there he goes, boys and girls. Mister Mike Hideous on Skype. There, it's good that he um, is on Skype and wasn't on the phone. Much better quality, right? When we're all together on Skype, my goodness. You know, I feel like that's that's just what we're going to be doing now for a long time. Just uh, all of us on Skype and uh, Zoom, all these people out there uh, trying to get back to their normal jobs. It's nothing but normal now, folks. I, I don't know what to say as we take it home here tonight, Larry Silverstein style. Incredible, really. So once again, thank you out there, those in the chat room. Much love and appreciation for all of you. And yes, I, I didn't get a chance to play the Kenneth Copeland. Um, let's do that now. I, I totally forgot. Yes. yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yes. He received your healing. Yes. Now. Say it. I take it. I take it. I have it. I have it. It's mine. It's Lord. mine. I thank you and praise you for it. Yes. And I forgive if I have aught against any. I feel COVID free now. And I praise you that I'm well and whole. I praise you that I'm well. Yes. According to the word of God. According to 
I'm healed. Yes. I'm healed now, and I too. Consider not my own body. Yes, consider yes. not my own body. I consider not symptoms in my body. I consider not symptoms in my body. But only that which God has promised. Only, only that, that which God, which God has Only that what the Word has said. Only, only that, that what the Word has said. And by His stripes I was healed. And by His stripes I am healed now. I'm not the sick trying to get healed. I'm the healed and the devil's trying to give me the flu. Damn devil. Or whatever else kind of thing he's got. That's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> healed and well. Yes. In the sweet name, name of, Jesus. of Jesus. Sweet Jesus. That, that, that damn devil Amen. indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm sorry. Yes. Hallelujah. That damn devil trying to give me the flu, boys and girls. You know, we got to play more Paula White. We definitely have to play more Paula White before we wrap up here. Wherever I go, God rules. When I walk on White House grounds, God walks on White House grounds. That's right. I had every right and authority to declare the White House as holy ground. Holy because ground. Because I was standing there, and where I stand is holy. Holy. Oh, my God. Now, that music. To say no to President Trump would be saying no to God. That's right. Saying no to President Trump will mean saying no to God. Think about it, folks. Think about it. Don't forget, if you are a fan or supporter of the program and want to listen to bonus material, please direct yourself to patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon, and you'll find plenty there. Also, if you go to michaeldeacon.com, and on the right-hand side of your screen, there is a PayPal button there. Any amount is good, and if you do donate, I will personally send you most of the episodes on Patreon, my gift to you. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel and don't forget, take us on the road on iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox, and Spotify. International listeners out there, thank you so much for your support. Russia, Canada, Germany, the UK, Australia, Norway, and Brazil. Love all of you. Oh yeah. What does the future have in store for us, boys and girls? I really don't know. The doomsday clock says 100 seconds to midnight. Who even knows if that is even accurate? Who even knows what's going to happen, say, tomorrow? Whatever it is that you do choose to believe, though, you must adapt now. As I say every episode, that is the reality, boys and girls. Tomorrow is not promised. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. Stay safe. The world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. mystery.
and life itself is a mystery. The Michael Deacon Program is amazing. Oh boy is right. I already have a headache.